The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 6. You're probably wondering, what in the world would you do, are you doing with that whiteboard behind you? And I'm wondering, what in the world am I doing with that whiteboard behind me? I don't preach with a whiteboard. I do a lot of discipleship with a whiteboard. But let me tell you what we're up against today. I mean, I have been deep into some stuff. And so I have studied a lot. And these, this, this series, like, um, this is a challenging series to teach. And so I have been deep down in there. But it's kind of like a lot of spaghetti that has been boiled inside of me, and we got to get it back in the package as I talk to you. And that feels overwhelming. So I need the whiteboard to try to explain some things that we kind of went through um, last week that I think, I think they, they deserve a little more clarity um, to understand kind of when we're talking about end times that, that there's liberty in interpretation of the Scripture because it doesn't get away from the essentials, okay? And so I'm going to share some of those things with you. We started this series several weeks ago, about 12 weeks ago to be exact, uh, or 12 sermons ago is when we started. We, we had some sermons in between there. But I shared in that opening message out of Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, it says that blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. And so that passage says of itself, of the book of Revelation that John received, that we are blessed, like the person who proclaims it, like in my situation right now, I'm proclaiming it, and it's challenging, but I find that I am being blessed spiritually. God is moving, and he's stretching me in ways that I've never been stretched before, and, and it's challenging, and I, I find myself with a sense of urgency about how I'm functioning on my day-to-day -day activities like I never have before, and I think that's one of the things that the, the Bible is, uh, the, the message of, of Revelation is speaking about blessed when it's proclaimed and blessed when you, blessed are those who hear it. And so not just proclaiming it, but hearing it, even as I proclaim it and hear it myself and I take it to heart. And so blessed are you when you take it to heart. So there's a blessing tied to this whole book, which is fascinating when you think about <laughs> how infrequently it's taught on. And, and I, again, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody because I, it's taken me a long time to come to a point where I've felt the liberty to teach on it. But it does come with a blessing. And so I, I kind of jumped in last week and started to talk about a little bit about um, some of the views of eschatology. What is eschatology? The end times, the return of Christ, when we get to the end. And there are different ways to approach um, and... and uh, interpret the scripture. You say, well, how did we get the ways? It's because Christians throughout um, the last two millennia have been diving deep into it, and the Lord is, has shown some things to, to men and women who have been inspired to write about them and, and teach about them, just as I'm doing today. And so we end up getting these different views, and I've got, can, I hope you can see this okay, all right? I'm going to be writing some more on it, but but there are pretty much four main ways to come out um, the book of Revelation. And the first one is called, I've written up here, historic um, premillennialism. And so when, when we look at historic premillennialism, all these different colors here are going to represent something, okay? So we got pink, blue, green, and purple. 
And hopefully I don't get them all messed up. But in, in historic premillennialism, we have Jesus coming and dying on the cross, okay? And when he comes and he dies on the cross, we enter what is called the church age. And so that's the age that we're living in right now. And during the, um, what is taught in Scripture, and you don't just find this in Revelation, you find it in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus taught a, a, a passage, it's called the Olivet Discourse, and he talks about the end times. They said, tell us when shall these things be? And a lot of what we've been looking at starting here in chapter uh, 4, 5, and, and, and 6, and 7 and following is it what parallels with, with what Jesus was talking about. And so we find it there. We find passages in Peter and Paul's epistles. And, you know, throughout the Bible, there's a lot of uh, stuff. Obviously, the bulk of it is, is wrapped up in the book of Revelation, but it's throughout the Bible. And so what we have is we move through the church age for however long God has determined. God the Father determines for how long we're in the church age. And then we move into what is called the tribulation. And Jesus talks about this. Um, the apostles talk about it. And John is writing about it. Some even think that Paul had a great revelation like John when he was caught up into the third heavens, but it says it was not permitted of him to speak about it or write about it. However, John received the permission to speak and write about it, and that's how we end up with the book of Revelation. During historic premillennialism, what we have is we go through the church age for a period of time determined by the Father, and then things start to progressively get worse. And times and the culture um, seeps into sin. There is a rejection of God. And ultimately, we get to the second coming of Christ. You follow me? Yeah, take me to school, preacher. Hey, man, come on, man. I need encouragement today. All right, so we get to the second coming of Christ. Jesus returns to the planet. Okay? Now, we're going to get into, as we get down the road, and we're, we're, you're going to hear a lot of talk about millennium, okay? And so, when Jesus returns, we enter the millennium. Millennium. Is that E-I or I? E-N-I-N. E-N-I? That means millennium, all right? I knew. I just wanted to see if y'all knew. Okay, so we get to the millennium. And this is a thousand-year reign. Thousand-year reign of Christ. On earth. Okay? So when Jesus returns, we enter into a millennial kingdom, and for 1,000 years he reigns as the king of the earth. Got it? Then, at the end of that thousand-year period, we have judgment. I think I left the knee out, but that's okay. And we enter into eternity. All right? That is historic premillennialism. Dispensational premillennialism is the popular view of today. It's the most popular view. It's not very old. It's, it started like early in the last century, maybe the century before that, a little over, somewhere around 100 years, a little over 100 years old. It's not an old view, okay? And so what we have in historic or dispensational premillennialism is we have um, God's dealings with Israel, 
and the church. And so we're living in the church age right here. Very similar. Jesus comes, crucified. What's different about dispensational premillennialism is that somewhere either prior to or halfway between the tribulation, same tribulation, So either you're a pre-trib premillennialist, a mid-trib premillennialist, or a post-trib. So it could happen at the beginning, the mid, or the end. And, and what happens is, is that there is a rapture. I talked about this last week. Okay? And so this is based off of thir- uh, first Thessal- for the book of Thessalonians, um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that it talks about we shall be caught up with him in the air. And so a lot of one of the problems with this view is like, well, isn't that Jesus coming back? They say, well, Jesus doesn't come back. He just comes back almost all the way to the back. He stops and he pulls all the church out. Okay? So the church and the Holy Spirit indwelling the believer is caught up with the Lord in the air. Then the tribulation happens, and this could happen, that rapture could happen any point in the tribulation. Again, some believe before, mid, and some believe post. And then after a seven-year period, and this is based off of some teachings in Daniel and so on and so forth. I'm just trying to give you a survey so that when, when I'm teaching, you understand where I'm coming back, coming from. At the end of the tribulation period, we have the second coming of Christ. So Jesus... At, at the end of the tribulation, he comes all the way to the planet this time. He brings the church with him, and we enter the millennium, which is a thousand years. Thousand-year reign. Got it? Need coffee? <laughs> at the end of the thousand-year reign, we have judgment final judgment, and eternity. This, this, is, this is a really cool way to look at it. It's really fun preaching and stuff, but it has some problems because you got Jesus coming back a couple of times. You got, it's, it's just kind of strange, okay? But, but it's, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying this is wrong. I'll show you where I'm at here in a little bit, okay? Then we get to post-millennialism. Very similar to the other two. We have the church age. And then, again, Jesus comes, same thing, dies on the cross. And then we enter into a tribulation period. Things get really bad, like they progress to get bad. But ultimately, we enter into a millennium Millennium. And a, and a thousand year period of peace on the earth. And, and, and the church ushers that in by people becoming more and more Christ like. Okay? Then we enter into judgment and eternity. Okay, then, then we have amillennialism, all right? Here's how amillennialism works. And it's a historic view, too. It's old, like, historic premillennialism. 
We have the church age. We are living in the millennium right now. And this is based off of, Jesus said, my kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And so the millennium is, we're living in it spiritually as Jesus is reigning and ruling in the hearts of his people. So he's reigning and ruling in us as king. And so millennium said, well, what what about this thousand year? Again, remember that apocalyptic literature is symbolic. And so... um, a thousand years can mean a long time, like it can mean an extended period of time, and, and, and it doesn't actually mean a thousand years. Peter even says, with the Lord, a thousand years is a day, and a day is a thousand years, right? So, th- so there's something to that. And we are also in the tribulation period. Right now. You say, well, how could that be? Well, you got to think, man, this makes a little sense because... Our brothers and sisters over in Afghanistan right now feel like they're deep in the tribulation period. And people historically throughout time have felt that way. The danger with this view is it tends to be always being interpreted um, really a lot through a Western mindset and what's going on in the world currently, okay? With, With amillennialism, when we get to the end, Jesus returns. So now here we have the second coming. Right here, judgment, and we enter into eternity. Those are those are pretty much that's that's how the uh, that's how like you can approach it as you see all of these. And they say, "Well, where are you?" Well, I'm kind of right here. <laughs> I'm kind of in an eclectic view. I'm borrowing from all of this. I I see all of this. I do not see certainty in any of it. And so I'm just being honest with you. It's like, I I, I can't say that's not how it happens. And I can see a lot of how it happens there. I can't say that's, like I just, I can see a lot of it. And I, I, so I, I look and I'm just learning and I'm letting the Lord teach me. So as I take you through these things, like, I feel a lot of these things. I feel like, man, when Jesus returns, I like this idea. I like this clean, simple, man. Jesus returns, judgment happens, we go into eternity, and, and that's a nice, clean way to look at it. Here's, here's, the, here's what I really want to point out in this, okay? There are differences in the green and the blue on all of these. But when you get to the purple, they're all the same. Okay? Every one of them. And that's what the book of Revelation is trying to prepare us for, to walk through at any time. It doesn't matter. And so you have liberty to, to kind of look at and see what the Lord, as you study, the most important thing is you know that Jesus is coming back, judgment is taking place, things are going to get worse before they get better. And you can feel that part right now, right? Um, You can feel that happening on the planet. Now, several years ago, the Lord impressed two things upon me. Not about this. Just me as a minister of the gospel that is charged with the duty of leading his people, the body of Christ, 
during this period of time, um, in this place, in this generation. And the first one was there is, there is an incredible amount of spiritual ignorance in the church. And I don't mean that, like, I don't mean that talking down. What I mean is the church as a whole, especially in the Western world and where we live in the United States, there's a, there's a lot of spiritual people just don't know. They don't know what they should know about the word. And so they believe a lot of different things. And if you talk to a person who thinks they're a Christian or says they're a Christian, if you talk to them very long, you'll begin to see, where, what in the world? How did you come up with this view? And, and, and so that's coming from, so the Lord like started pressing in on me. As a matter of fact, even as I came to this church, I believe it's a lot of the reason why he brought me here um, to, to, to lead with you guys, is I think he has a plan for what we're supposed to do as a ministry. And I, I remember like coming out of the ministry that I came out of, a lot of what I focused on, there's an attractional model out there, and you, you do things to attract people to come to the church, and it's effective. It works. I've used it, like, and you, you get movement, and people get growth in that, okay? And so I, I have strategically, as the Lord has led me, I've always felt like I was a little bit on the forefront of some of those things with the people that, I, that God put around me to do ministry with. And so the, the people I did ministry with is, man, we tried to be on the cutting edge of things. And, and we, we moved into the video arena and how we were using video very early on. We were early adopters in a lot of that stuff. And, and the Lord used it. When I came here, before there was very many people at all, okay, very small, most of you, the majority of you were not around when, that, when this impression from the Lord came on me, was that cutting edge was going to be to teach the Word of God verse by verse and get people out of spiritual ignorance. That's, what, that's, what was gonna, that's how the Lord was going to grow His church in, in this era that we're living in. And so I started focusing on that. And I started making sure that, and I've always taught the word, but man, that was my primary focus. That's what we're going to be about. Um, the second thing happened just a few years ago. There was a major shift in our culture. There was an attack on marriage and what, how marriage is defined. And during that time when all of this was kind of being battled out in our culture, the Lord sort of impressed upon me again that the line in the sand is being drawn deeper. Now, what I mean by that? What I mean is people who are sitting on the fence with Christianity and can kind of straddle that thing and have been able to do it for a long time, this line is getting deeper, and that's not going to be the case anymore. And, and that decision that happened several years ago in our culture and how we're viewing that, like that, that was something I could see, man, and I was kind of encouraged by it a little, a little bit. I was discouraged, obviously, obviously, for what it meant for us as a culture um, and, and how dishonoring it is. However, when you go to Africa, and I've been a couple of times, and you try to minister to people with the gospel, there is a clear difference, okay? These people over there, like, they, they worship fetishes and uh, witchcraft and they, they do weird sacrifices, and so when you're ministering to people in these villages, and you start talking about Jesus is the God of the universe, it's, there is a clear contrast. 
There's like, you can, you can deal with this very easily. It's not gray and murky. It's black and white. And that's very helpful. In America, it has, been, it has been gray. It's hard to talk to your friends about the Lord because everybody thinks they know the Lord. Everybody's Christian over here, man, and it, it's difficult. And so there's something refreshing about saying, man, we're going to draw the line in the stand a little deeper so people can see it a little better, and, and we can determine whether or not, does this person know Jesus or not? Okay, And so that started to happen, I think, a few years ago. Um. In the last year and a half, that line has deepened significantly. Like, it's like a track hoe is digging that thing out, man. And I think, I'm not prophesying, I'm proclaiming. I'm not a prophet, I'm a preacher. But I do hear from the Lord and he impresses upon me. I think where we are headed, things are going to get much more difficult to say you believe in Jesus. And people who sit on the fence are going to get off the fence. And they're either going to get into the kingdom or they're going to say, ah, it's not for me. Now, why is that important for us as a body of believers? Well, because we're, most of us are raising children. And if we don't do a good job of preparing them and investing in them and teaching them the way, the truth, and the life, there's a good chance that as time progresses, they're going to say no because it's not rooted in their heart. It's not down deep in them. And, and so we've got to know that this thing, man, this final judgment is approaching. All of these views say it doesn't matter which one you ascribe to, things are going to get worse before Jesus returns. And, and, and we know that in, the, in that estimation that we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Now, here's the problem. The church has catered to consumer Christianity and legalism. That's what the church has kind of been... Again, I'm not saying every single church. I don't feel like I've, I've catered to that with, with my people that I've led and you guys. I don't feel like we cater to that. But when I speak in terms of the church and what is happening in our culture right now, that's kind of what has happened to the church. It's catered to consumerism, Christianity. What, what does that mean? Well, we meet the people's needs in order to get them to come. We're going to have the best children's ministry. We're going to have programs. We're going to do things. And, we're going to, and so if you don't have those things, yeah, you're just not meeting my needs. So I'm going to go to another church that meets my needs until they don't meet my needs, and then I'm going to find another church that meets my needs. And so people start bouncing around. And what happens is they never do get any depth in their understanding of what does it mean to follow Jesus, not to be fed. See, we, we have a mindset of, oh, you need the preacher to feed me. And Jesus says, you can't have any part of me unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. you got to be able to feed yourself. And so certainly the, the pastors ought to be able to feed and lead. But we ought to be all, as the people of God, myself included, man, we need to be self-feeders, especially if things are going to get worse before they get better, and we're all headed toward the second coming of Christ and a final judgment. So the church caters to that. The church also caters on the other side of the spectrum to legalism. It's like, well, if you want to know Jesus, make sure you don't do A, B, C, D. And if you don't do those things, you're good which is wrong. That is not true. 
The Bible doesn't teach that. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees were experts at that, even down to the letter of how many steps you could take on a particular Sabbath day. And if you took those, you were violating the law, and they taught the people to do that, and Jesus came and blew all that stuff up. And he said, if you want to know me, you better be close enough to hear me, listen to what I'm saying, and follow through with what I ask you to do. That's the whole th- purpose. Like the whole, the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to make you just feel better. It's so that you know what you're supposed to do when the Lord challenges you from his word. You are illuminated by it. You can hear his voice. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They listen and they follow me. And you can obey with what he has asked you to do. Okay, so, we don't, so, so we've gotten into this culturally, what's happened and how we've arrived here. And why, so this helps me. I don't know if this helps y'all, but I look at America and sometimes I scratch my head. I get overwhelmed. I get discouraged. I watch the news. I'm thinking, what is happening? I don't think like any of these people think. I can't trust any of them. And I start to feel like, man, what is going on? I'm, I'm ready to be done with this whole thing. Do y'all ever feel that way? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Well, this is what has happened, is, is that, that, that the church has not been able to reach people effectively enough to bring about transformation in the culture. That's why the, America was so incredible in the beginning, is because the church was so effective at teaching people. Um, and again, America's never been without fault, but we know culturally we were a lot different, right? Well, if we get sidetracked, then what happens is I think the enemy has lulled the church into a state of sleep, and we haven't done a good job of investing in people, and so people have ended up uh, somewhat spiritually ignorant and bankrupt so that when challenges happen in their lives, they don't know how to overcome them and be more than conquerors like the Word says we're supposed to be. And so the, the culture starts shifting because we start producing what we are. So in our homes, we produce what we are. And then those kids have kids, and they produce what they are. And as this goes on, men, things start to get weakened, and we see that it impacts culture. And so this mentality will not pr- produce fruit will, that will last. Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me, you will produce fruit, fruit that will last. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 23, Jesus has this incredible passage of scripture where he's talking about um, whether or not people know him and they think they know him. And he says this, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. Then I will plainly tell them, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Now, who is Jesus talking to? Jesus is not talking to a Muslim right there. Jesus is talking to a person who thinks they are a Christian, that are doing the works, they think they're doing the works of God, and he says to them, away from me, I never knew you. And that tells us that people can know about Jesus, they can try to practice some of the things that Jesus taught, but if they don't know him, and have an experiential knowledge that has impacted them to the point that they have been transformed into the same kind of thing that he is, not God, but that Christ is in me, he's being formed in me, my old man is dying, and the new man, Christ Jesus, is rising up in me, he doesn't know you. And so so that's, that's what's being said here by Jesus. Now, you say, well, I thought we were in Revelation. Well, we're starting right here, okay? Chapter 6, 
we're going to look at two seals. And these are the sixth and the seventh seals. And we start in verse 9, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it, and I think I'm going to unpack the fifth seal, and, or the sixth seal, and then the fifth seal. And so John is seeing this revelation. He's seeing these four horsemen of the apocalypse that have ridden out. You've got the, the conqueror and peace, and then you've got war, and you've got famine, and you have um, death that is a result of, of these, these things that are happening. And he says, then he shifts. In verse 9, when I opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. That is so important. They called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. Okay? This view would say that these people, these tribulation saints, is happening like right here. These saints are right here. After Christ raptures the church out. These people would say these saints are all through here. And these these would agree, right? Both of them would say there's going to be tremendous suffering. And both of them would say that people are going to be persecuted. Now, these would say they specifically are martyred. These would say it could be anybody. It could be you for suffering for the gospel because you took a stand at work because you know Jesus told you, you you can't walk in that way. You can't be dishonest like that. And you were obedient to Christ and you suffered and somebody else got a promotion and you suffered for the gospel. And that could happen. And so, what, now what's ironic about this passage of Scripture is they're crying out for, they're not crying out for their personal vengeance. And Jesus said he prayed for his enemies whenever they were um, persecuting him. And Stephen prayed for him and said, don't let this charge be held against them. What's different about this picture is these people are already in the presence of God. They have died. They have done their suffering. And now they're just asking, how long, Lord? How long until you right all of the wrongs of the earth? And so, like, they're in a different position. And then it goes into the sixth seal. And he says this. I watched as he opened the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to the earth as figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who can withstand it? Okay? So we got a lot, a lot going on there. What, what in the world, the blood, the, the sun turning black and the, the, the moon, what is that? Well, again, it's symbolic. Um, most scholars would agree that there are going to be some cataclysmic events that 
that shake up the earth. And the Lord has done that throughout biblical history when the Lord moved in a mighty way, like a, a, a more powerful way than he's moving right now. Like he's moving in a powerful way right now. But there, when, when the Lord, when significant events that God enters into humanity and disrupts and shifts things, like when Jesus came, when Moses led Egypt out of Israel, when creation happened, then we have a shaking of the, 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 the earth, okay, and, and, and these cataclysmic events. And so if that happens, we know, man, we've seen things, haven't we? We've seen the forest fires happen, and all of a sudden the sky begins to appear somewhat red. Well, just imagine if it's more than the fires. Just imagine if it's volcanoes erupting and a, a major earthquake and things shifting and things are burning. And, and that's what's kind of being described. Now, there are a few of you here that are in real estate, Vance Havner says this, during this period of time, the most expensive piece of real estate on the planet will be a hole in the ground, okay? Because men will want to run there. They want to get in there and hide there. Why, why is it being described that way? Well, remember, we're going through a time where we're shifting from the church age, regardless of which one, we're shifting from the church age to the age of judgment. So we're shifting from grace to judgment. And when that shift takes place, we see the other side of the lamb. It's, it's interesting that it's described as the wrath of the lamb. And so the lamb begins, so it's exposed. And all of a sudden people know, and everybody knows, and it describes all the different people, like kings and, and powerful people and rich people and poor people and slave people and free. It's what it's saying, it's a great equalizer. It's the great equalizer with God. Everyone will know in this moment that this is a, a that God is behind what is happening. Okay? And so we, we look at this and the question is asked, who can withstand? Who can withstand this? And it could be somewhat frightening and intimidating as we read about it. But when we go back to the fifth seal, we see who can withstand. The people who can withstand are the people who have come to a place of transformation in their life that they're willing to be slain because of the word of God and the testimony they maintained. They maintained a testimony about the word of God. Okay, and they witness to it. And that's why there is such an attack right now on the word of God as to whether or not we have to give allegiance to it and bow down to it. And that's why I am so adamant about saying, yes, that's what our church needs to be marked on because the world is, is, is headed toward this climactic event and there are only two things that can happen to avoid it. One is that we have a great awakening among humanity and people repent and come back to God. And the other is this thing is moving and it's moving at a great clip and we're headed toward it and things are just gonna progressively get worse. Either way, I want to be a part of a church who is um, holding on to the word of God and maintaining my witness and my testimony for it so that I'm ready. I'm ready whether it's Jesus coming back. I'm ready and on the forefront of a great awakening that the Lord used us as a body of believers and together we were committed to it, man. And sometimes we suffer for it, but we just press on because we know that regardless of what happens to us, even if we're slain, we will be given a white robe and, and J Jesus himself will say, just hold on until the rest of your brothers join you. You just be patient. You don't worry about the vengeance. And so here's the thing. 
ministries globally, especially. I, I, you know, I don't know what's happened. I think, I think globally, probably ministries are getting it better than we are over here. But ministries here in America need to shift to ensure that people know the Word of God and they know how to maintain their testimony and they are experiencing a transforming power. And so the question is, the Lord transforming you right now? Are you a part of that? Like he, he is me, and he keeps doing it. And so for all of us, for us to be able to really, really manifest the glory of God, regardless of what's happening on according to the end times, for us to really shine as a, as a body here on the planet and to be that city that is set up on a hill, then what we have to be committed to is knowing the word of God and maintaining our testimony. And that's a big idea for you today. It's like, man, you got to dig into that. Now I've got to dig into that. My children, you guys got to dig into that. Nobody's going to dig into that for you. Now we invest in discipleship and we try to come alongside of people and say, man, let's walk together to make sure that whenever any of this stuff happens, we are prepared for the return of the king. That's it. Like, what do you do with it? I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. But I hope that today I was able to get the spaghetti out of me and back in the package, okay? And I hope that you would stop and think about what really matters what's happening around me. I mean, this challenges me. It challenges me to be more proactive than I have been. And, and I, I want it for us as a body of believers. There's something happening in this body of believers. And the Lord, man, I just feel like he's just kind of pulling us back like a slingshot. And man, he's going to let that thing go. And I think it's going to be rooted in discipleship. I think it's going to be rooted in we're trying to be so intentional about not making, a, 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 not stumbling and getting off track, but just doing the thing that Jesus said to do and go therefore and make disciples so that people can know the word of God and maintain their testimony so that they can walk in a place of transformation consistently and they can continue to look more and more like Jesus as time goes on. And whether a great awakening is coming out in the future or the return of Christ or things are just going to get a whole lot worse in our lifetime, it doesn't matter as long as we're following Jesus. It doesn't matter because he's going to be with us. He's going to walk with us and nothing can come against us and harm us unless he permits it. And if he permits it, it will be for his glory. And, and it will be for the fact that we say, well, why, why does the Lord have all this happening? Well, it goes back to, if we look at um, the, the, the church, Jesus taught about the tares. You remember that parable? He says that, the, the one guy, he said, a farmer planted all this seed and the wheat, and he planted this seed, and then his, his laborers came back to him. He said, man, there's a bunch of tares. There's a bunch of weeds in the wheat. He said, what do you want us to do? You want us to pull it all up? And Jesus said, no. Let them grow together, and at the harvest, the wheat will be separated from the tares. Okay? So... What I think is happening in the shift in the culture is it's going to be clear 
whether or not I'm a part of a church that is focused on producing wheat, or it's okay with being focused on tares and to say, look, like it, it doesn't matter. It matters because the tares are even going to grow in a church that is focused on the wheat. So if you're not focused on the wheat, the tares are going to run over what's happening within the, the group of people. And so like, I think that suffering happens, like Jesus permits it. There are going to be people in Afghanistan probably that have already died because they believe in Jesus. It's weird to me that I'm on this passage of Scripture and I've seen brothers testifying on cell phone videos weeping because they know the, what they're facing as a church and talking about how they're going to gather and, and Christians being arrested and stuff. And I'm like, this is crazy, man. The Lord has me right here in the midst of this passage of Scripture and this is happening to our brothers. I pray that a miracle happens and that they are, they, are, they, they are spared. But there have been countless, of Christ, countless Christians over the last 2,000 years that were not spared. Like they lost their life for believing in Jesus. And it was on that blood that the church spread. If you remember, the church was in Jerusalem and Stephen was standing up and preaching a sermon, and they said, stop preaching in the name of Jesus, and he wouldn't do it. He's like, you killed God, and they stoned him, and he died right there. And you know what happened after his death? The church scattered beyond Jerusalem, and it wouldn't be long until it spread throughout the entire Roman world, and it's a reason that it's even here today. And so sometimes, man, like we, we could face some severe persecution like that, we know that it's happening there, and, and I'm not, like, there's no way am I trying to scare you. I'm trying to prepare you. I want you to be prepared. I, I want you to be prepared if things get hard in your life, you don't say no to Jesus. Did you realize that Jesus said, sometimes things get hard, but my sheep listen to my voice, they follow me, and even in their death, they bring glory to me. That's, that's the goal, is that we know him. Like, we know him, we don't know about him. And he, regardless of what we face on the planet, man, we can walk with him and people can see that we are maintaining our testimony and knowing the word of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lay it before the Lord today. What's he challenging you with? I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna let Sean lead us. If you'd like to come and use the altar and pray, do so. If you, if, you would like to, if you would like to talk and go, man, I need to solidify my, solidify my faith, email me. Even if I can't meet with everybody, we've got disciple makers in this church that can meet with you and walk with you just as easily as I can, okay? And so just email me. Say, I want to talk more about my faith. I want to get it solidified. I want to maintain my testimony, and I want to know the Word of God better. Maybe you pray about whether or not you're supposed to be in discipleship. Maybe somebody's invited you. Maybe you're trying to get a group out of the ground. Whatever that is, lay it before the Lord. And, and if you want to come use the altar this morning, I encourage you to do so. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word that is plain and it's simple. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that teaches us. Even me, while I'm preaching, you're teaching me. And I'm overwhelmed by that. 
I look around and I, I see this room, Lord, there are many people here today. And I thank you for everyone. You brought them here, Lord. Thank you for letting me challenge them and ask them to follow me as I follow you. And thank you, Lord, that they're doing that. And Lord, keep challenging us. Let us all have a sense of urgency that we realize, man, this, this is serious. And that we can have an impact on the world that we're living in. The people that we love so much. That we have the truth. We know the truth. And that you want to help us maintain our testimony. You want to help us know the word. And so I pray for an, a powerful outpouring of your Holy Spirit on all of us, Lord. On the staff, on the, on the disciple leaders, on the, the, just every person in here, Lord. Like, just, just pour yourself out on us. And may we walk in that power and that authority to go out and make a difference in this world. To reach people and teach them what you want them to know. Have your way, Lord, during this time of reflection. We pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.